serving. So take your copy of God's Word and open it with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. I want to talk to you today about the stewardship of service. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. We'll continue our series in the Gospel of John next Sunday. While you're turning there, think about this. If you go to Wall Street and ask them, what is the secret to greatness? They will probably say, money and lots of it. If you go to Washington and ask many there in our nation's capital, what is the secret to greatness? They might tell you, power. If you go to Hollywood where so many of the uh, movies are made and ask them, what is the secret to greatness? They might just tell you fame. 2,000 years ago, however, the greatest man who ever walked the face of the earth, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, told us what is the key to greatness. He said, if anyone wants to be great among you, let him be your servant. According to Jesus, serving is the key to greatness. It's not about how many servants you have, but how many people you serve. We're pausing our study this morning from the Gospel of John, and I want to talk to you about service. As you may remember, tonight is our ministry fair, and we're going to be highlighting some of the many different ways in which you can serve here at First Baptist Church of Homestead. But whether you realize it or not, every Christian is called to ministry in some way. You may not be called to be a pastor or an evangelist or a foreign missionary, but if you have been born again, you are saved to serve. Now, there's a phrase that we use every now and then. It goes like this. If you want to grow, you've got to serve. If you want to grow, you've got to serve. Based on everything I read in the Word of God, it is inconceivable to me that a person would grow deeply in their walk with Christ if they are not actively serving in some way. No matter how many Bible studies you attend or worship services you attend, at the end of the day, if you want to grow, you've got to serve. And so we're going to look at two verses this morning from 1 Peter chapter 4, there is a key word in this passage that the rest of it revolves around, and it's that word steward in verse 10. Peter said that we are to be good stewards. Now, some people these days don't use that word as much as we used to, but in Peter's day, when he told his readers to be good stewards, everyone understood what that meant. Everyone in that day and time knew someone who had servants who would work their land or work their house or manage their affairs in their absence, that person was called a steward. And when Peter said that we are to be good stewards, there was so much that was wrapped up in that word. Everyone understood that a steward is someone for whom uh, his life is not his own. And his mission is not to do his will, but the, the will of the master. And he possesses nothing. 
And he's going to give an account one day. It's interesting, Peter would take that word, steward, and describe it to us and say, we are stewards. When we talk about this thing called stewardship, uh, many times we're talking about financial stewardship, and that's fine, that's good. But in the Bible, we are described as being stewards of many different things. We are to be stewards of our time. We are to be stewards of our homes and our families. We are called stewards of the gospel. But we are also stewards in the sense of the ministry to which we have been called. And so I want to talk today about the stewardship of service. As I said, we're just going to look at two verses, so let's read this brief passage out loud together before we begin to study it more deeply. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, say it with me. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now we're going to notice five things in these two verses about what is, in fact, a good steward and how we can be the good stewards we are called to be. First of all, a good steward is equipped for God's work. A good steward, we're going to see, is equipped for God's work. This passage from which we've just read really begins back in verse 7 when Peter says, the end of all things is near, therefore... The end is near. Now, by the way, if Peter said that 2,000 years ago, the end is near, then I would say how much more true is that for us today, right? But the end is near for that reason, because Jesus is coming again. We should do certain things. And one of those things he mentions here in verse 10, he says, as each one has received a gift, Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Peter says, you have received a gift, use it. I want you to notice what Peter does not say in this verse. He does not say, those of you who have received a gift, use it. Nor does he say, if you have received a gift, use it. No, he says, each one has received a gift and therefore minister it or use it. Now there's a presumption here. The presumption is that every born again child of God has received a gift. And he's talking about spiritual gifts. The moment you were saved, you received at least one spiritual gift. Of course, the question someone will ask is, what is a spiritual gift? Well, it's not just some natural talent or ability, but it's some talent or ability that is given to you by God the moment you are saved by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be used within the ministry of the local church. 
you will find there are three primary passages in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. And so if this is something that is new to you, I would encourage you to read these passages, to become familiar with this concept. And those passages are 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. You will notice some of the spiritual gifts that are mentioned. For example, prophecy, teaching, helps, administration, service, exhortation, encouragement, leadership, mercy, evangelism. There are others as well. One of the things you will notice as you study these three passages of Scripture, you will notice that these three lists of spiritual gifts are not alike. You will notice that there's no one gift that shows up in all three of the lists. What that tells us is these lists of spiritual gifts that we are given, they are not meant to be exhaustive. These are just a sampling of the different ways that God will equip his people for service when they are saved. The main point is, if you are saved, you have received a spiritual gift and everyone is to use the gift they've been given. One of the common questions people will ask is, Pastor, how can I know what my spiritual gift is and how I should be using it? I would simply encourage you to do three things. Number one, study these passages of Scripture that uh, pertain to spiritual gifts. Pray over these verses and then jump in. Experiment. And you know what you will find out? You will find out very quickly that God has not called you to do certain things. You will find out very quickly that there are certain gifts that you have not been given. And you know what? That's okay. But you will also find out that there are some gifts you do have and there are some things God has called you to do. So every believer, Peter says, has a gift. Minister it. Use it. Because if you don't, you're really stealing from God. Someone once said there are two ways in which you can rob God. You can steal God's money by not giving it, and you can steal God's ministry by not doing it. And maybe in your mind, you've never taken a thing that wasn't yours, but if you have been given a spiritual gift to use and you are not using it, I dare say you are stealing from God. And folks, this is the reason why God keeps us here after he saves us so that we can take those spiritual gifts we've been given and so that we can use them in his work in building his kingdom. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, we are here. A good steward is equipped for God's work. He's given us a spiritual gift to do what he's called us to do. We also see a good steward is a servant to God's people. A servant to God's people. Look again at verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Now, what do we do with those gifts? He does not give us these spiritual gifts in order to promote ourselves, Peter says. We have these spiritual gifts 
to minister to one another. In fact, that Greek word there, minister, it is the same word that means serve, serve one another. Uh, It's the same word from which we get servant, even the word deacon. This is the same word Jesus used to describe himself in Mark chapter 10 when he said the son of man did not come to be served, but to be a servant and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. Jesus used this word to describe himself. So the spiritual gifts we've been given are not for self-enjoyment. They are not for self-promotion. They are given as a tool to serve others. I read a, a fascinating article a while back about a young woman named Alexa in the state of Tennessee. In this article, it says that Alexa had recently celebrated her 21st birthday. Now, I don't know what you did on your 21st birthday. I know there are a lot of people who like to celebrate their 21st birthday by drinking or doing something crazy. But Alexa decided on her first 21st birthday, she was going to do something different. You see, a few months before she turned 21, Alexa was saved. She became a Christian, and it, com- it completely transformed her life and her way of thinking. So she decided that on her 21st birthday, she was going to celebrate by performing 21 different acts of service. She planned out her day, she got up that morning, and she did something to serve her mom. Once she was finished serving her mom, she went to the local hospital, to the surgical waiting area, and she brought refreshments to those who had loved ones who were in surgery and prayed for many of them. She left the hospital and then put some coins in those pesky parking meters so that people wouldn't get tickets. Then she went to the local laundromat and she paid for some people to have their laundry done. She delivered some gifts to the local firemen at the local fire department. She did all of these things on her 21st birthday. Well, someone uh, at the local paper heard about it, and they tracked her down, and they asked if they could interview her about this. And this is what she said. I gave my life to Christ, and he changed my heart. It was a 180-degree turnaround because of him. I firmly believe that I was put on the earth for a purpose, and a large part of that purpose is to inspire others to kindness That's an awesome purpose. She said that her inspiration is Hebrews 13, 2, which says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. When I read that article, I thought to myself, that is a good way to spend your 21st birthday. But it's an even better way to spend your life by taking the gifts that you've received and using them to serve others. And let me remind you again and again in scriptures when it talks about spiritual gifts, the way we serve others, these gifts are given specifically for service within the local church. We serve God by serving God's people and then the body of Christ serves reaching out to others. This whole mentality of of being a servant is so different from what we see in the world around us. And this 
understanding of servanthood really is what separates mature Christians and immature Christians many times. For example, an immature Christian will come to a church and ask, how can this church meet my needs? A mature Christian will come and they will ask, how can I serve the needs of others here? An immature Christian will ask, who will meet my needs? A mature Christian will ask, whose needs will I meet? What Peter is describing here in verse 10 really is a different way of thinking and a different way of life from what we see in the world around us. But a good steward is a servant to God's people. Something else Peter tells us about a good steward, a good steward is a vehicle of God's grace. A vehicle of God's grace. Once again in verse 10, Peter says, we are to serve others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Notice these two words, manifold grace. Say those words with me. Manifold grace. First of all, we notice that word grace. We know what that means, the unmerited favor of God. And that grace of God, which we do not deserve, we do not earn, it is freely given. But that grace shows up in several different ways in our lives, doesn't it? For example, sometimes we talk about what we call common grace. That's the grace of God that he bestows upon everyone. Jesus said God makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And God sends his reign on the just and on the unjust. That's common grace. But then we think about saving grace. That grace that we receive the moment we are saved and the moment God washes our sins away, that's saving grace. And then there's what we call sustaining grace, the grace of God that sustains us. You remember Paul when he had his thorn in the flesh and he pleaded with God to remove it. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. There's provisional grace when God provides for our needs. There's what we call sanctifying grace, the grace of God by which he sanctifies us and makes us holy and makes us more like Jesus. What we have here in verse 10 is what we call serving grace. It is out of God's grace, and it is because of God's grace that we are able to serve Him. And when we do, do you know what happens? We become vehicles of the grace of God unto others. Maybe you are here this morning and you have the gift of evangelism. You have a way of being able to explain the plan of salvation and someone gets it, they understand, the Holy Spirit convicts them and they come to Christ and that person experiences the grace of God through you. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. You're that person that can come alongside someone who has blown it, someone who's failed and oh, you can speak just the right words to encourage them. 
Maybe that person had a textbook definition of grace before, but now they've experienced it. Now they know what grace is all about because, praise God, they experienced it through you. This is why Peter calls it what he calls it here in verse 10, the manifold grace of God. That word literally means multicolored grace. That's what God gives us. The multicolored grace of God. In other words, every believer is a certain color in that rainbow. Every child of God, a different shade, a different hue. It's as if God dips his paintbrush into the colors of the spiritual gifts and he uses them to paint his church and every person plays a part uh, in that rainbow of colors and the rainbow of spiritual gifts, the multicolored grace that God gives to his church. And that also means, by the way, if you are not serving, if you are not using the gifts God has given to you, that means someone else may stand in your position, but no one else is going to take your place. No one else will really be able to fill your shoes and do what God has called you to do while also doing what God has called them to do. A good steward is a vehicle of God's grace. God gives us the grace to serve and then we become a vehicle by which God expresses his grace to those around us. We also see in verse 11, a good steward is dependent on God's strength. A good steward is someone who's dependent on God's strength. Look at verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. One of the things you'll notice as you look at those lists of, of spiritual gifts, many of them, not all of them, but many of them have to do with speaking. For example, if your spiritual gift is, is encouragement, you're going to have to open your mouth. If your spiritual gift is evangelism, you are certainly going to have to open your mouth. We think about preaching. We think about teaching. Maybe these were spiritual gifts that Peter has in mind. These are what we call speaking gifts. And Peter says, if you have a speaking gift, if anyone speaks, what should they speak? Let him speak as the oracles of God. In other words, you better make sure you're speaking God's words and not your own. Newsflash, folks, my word doesn't matter. My religious opinions don't matter. The only thing that matters is what the Word of God says and that I deliver it to you. And if you're not aware, there is a famine right now of preaching that is based upon the Word of God. Peter says, if that's your gift, if yours is a speaking gift, then speak the oracles of God. But then he also mentions serving gifts. Notice what he says next. Let him who, if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That word minister also translates serves. If anyone serves, many of you, your spiritual gift falls into this category. Many of you, your spiritual gifts are serving gifts. Many of you, your spiritual gifts involve things that you will do behind the scenes. And maybe sometimes as you are 
practicing your spiritual gifts, you're not always going to get noticed and you're not always going to receive applause. No one seems to notice the bus driver until you show up at Sunday school and notice someone is not there because we didn't have a driver to pick them up that day. No one seems to notice, for example, the words on the screen until the words aren't there or the wrong words are there. No one notices the sound system unless there's feedback. No one notices the the repairs that are being made around the church until those repairs are no longer being made. So many of these spiritual gifts that we see are serving gifts and things that happen really behind the scenes. Peter mentions speaking gifts. He mentions serving gifts. But in both cases, there is one source of power behind the gifts. Peter says, if you serve You must serve with the ability which God supplies. That word ability also translates power. Now listen to me very carefully. We need God's power to do God's work. We need God's power to do God's work. As important as it is that we serve, it is equally important that we do so in God's strength. And that is why the work that you do for God can never take the place of your time with God. Isn't it easy for us to fall into that trap where we are busy doing things for God, but in our own strength. And you get busy doing this or doing that for God, but you no longer experience Him in your life, and you're no longer reading His Word or hearing God speak through it. We not only need to serve, but we need God's power. We need God's strength to do God's work. Peter said, if you speak, if you minister, if you serve, whatever God's called you to do, make sure you're doing it in his strength and in his power. One final thing we notice about a good steward in this passage, a good steward is a reflection of God's glory. A good steward is a reflection of God's glory. Look at the end of Verse 11, everything that we are to do in verses 10 and 11 are for this purpose, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter said, this is why we serve. This is why we work hard for the Lord, not so that we'll be noticed, not so that we would have man's applause He said, we serve and we work so that God would be glorified. Is that your motive for the work you do for the Lord? Peter says, when when everyone within the body of Christ takes those spiritual gifts that they have and they begin to employ them, you know what happens? Something beautiful happens in the church. All of a sudden, the glory of God is revealed in that church. And how I want that to be said at First Baptist Church of Homestead. We are called to be good stewards. And one thing about a steward, a steward one day will give an account for his or her stewardship. One day we will all stand before God and give an account for what kind of stewards we were. One day God's going to ask us, what did you do with that spiritual gift that I gave you? How did you use it? How did you employ it to serve others? Did you use it to promote yourself? 
or did you use it for God's glory? We're all going to give an account. And I don't know about you, but when Jesus returns, I want to be found to be a good steward. I want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. When Christ comes again, I want him to find me working, not watching. Years ago, there was an actor by the name of Robert Brookfield. And towards the end of his life, uh, something hilarious happened. There was a misunderstanding, and it was falsely reported that Robert Brookfield had died. And so one morning, Mr. Brookfield had that rare opportunity of waking up, reading the newspaper, and seeing his own obituary. Can you imagine that? And so as he's looking at the paper and he's, he's reading what someone else has written about him, thinking that he has died, he found this line. It said, quote, never a great actor. <laughs> he, was an invaluable, he was invaluable in supporting roles. I'm sure that Mr. Brookfield was not thrilled with the first part of that statement. I'm sure this actor was not thrilled to hear someone say, quote, never a great actor. But I am also certain that the second half of that statement is one of the greatest compliments you can give someone. Invaluable in supporting roles. You know how many Christians there are who, they're never going to be in the spotlight. They're not going to be well-known but they're invaluable in supporting roles. They're just busy behind the scenes using their spiritual gifts, serving others. And I tell you, they, never, they may never be great in the eyes of this world, but they will absolutely be great in the eyes of heaven. And the question is, what kind of steward are you going to be this morning? Would you join me as we pray? Our Lord and our God, you have called us to be good stewards. To take the gifts that we have been given, whatever those gifts may be, and to use them to serve others so that your grace might flow through us so that Jesus would receive the glory. Oh, God, how we want that to be a reality here in this church. So first of all, God, I pray that you would help every born-again believer here to recognize the spiritual gifts they've been given. God, I know maybe for some that means going home, reading those passages, praying over them, saying, God, show me what gifts do I have, what fits who I am and maybe for some of them it means a little bit of trial and error. But God, I pray that you would show us those spiritual gifts that you have given to us within this body of Christ and that you would show us exactly how you want us to put those gifts to work. And Father, we thank you that we do have the great example of this in Jesus Christ. Because no one deserved to be served more than him. But he came from heaven to earth, he said, not to be served, 
but to serve. And for Jesus, that meant laying down his life as a ransom for many. We thank you that Jesus was willing to serve by going to the cross, taking the punishment that we deserved for our sin upon himself, and that he rose again on the third day so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I pray if there's one here today who has never come to Christ, who has never been born again, that this would be their day of salvation, their day in which they call upon the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I will follow you. I will serve you as my Savior and Lord from this day forward that this would be their day that they place their faith in Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his promise to save whosoever shall call upon his name. Help us, Lord, all of us to take what we've heard and read in your word this morning, though these verses be few, and truly apply them to our lives individually and to this church so that here in this church you would be glorified as all of your people put to use all of the spiritual gifts you have given to us. We thank you, O Lord, and we pray all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.